1: If we dwell on our disappointments, we are going to miss the open door of God's providence and the
0: joy of the new thing that God wants to do in our lives. That's Pastor Mark Finley, and this is Hope Lives 365. At Hope Lives 365, we believe God answers prayer. If you would like us to pray for you, then keep in mind this telephone number throughout today's broadcast, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888 888-244- 244 Hope. Here now is our pastor teacher, Mark Finley, with today's Hope Lives 365.
1: My topic this morning is four ways to handle disappointment and two ways not to handle disappointment. Now, disappointment can come to us in a variety of ways. Sometimes things will seem to be going really well and disappointment will strike you suddenly. Other times, disappointment creeps up at you quite gradually. Now, typically, disappointment comes when you anticipate one thing and something else happens. Really expect one thing to happen, but yet there is a reversal of fortunes. Now, when our expectations are not met, it's really easy to become disappointed. Christians are not immune to disappointment. When you were baptized, you were not given an inoculation at your baptism against disappointment. The Christian who fails and makes mistakes and in moments of trial lets themselves down may be disappointed with himself. Have you ever been disappointed with yourself because of your reaction to a certain circumstance? Have you ever let yourself down? Disappointment comes. A parent may be disappointed when they bring their child up in church, but the child shows little interest in church or spiritual things that may lead to disappointment. A church member may really desire to work for God, but they feel they've been given little opportunity and they may be disappointed. A church member, for example, may expect to hold an office. They feel they're qualified for that position, but they're passed over for somebody else that they perceive is less qualified. They could be disappointed. The believer who sees ungodly actions on the part of a Christian leader Can be disappointed over that. The Christian leader who does his best gives the best counsel he knows how, but is criticized for that counsel. Make him home one day from working for God and be disappointed. The house we wanted to purchase falls through. The job we desired is given to somebody else. The relationship that we long for goes sour. There are so many things that can bring disappointment in life. We can be disappointed with ourselves, Disappointed with others or disappointed with the results of circumstances? Now, the fundamental issue is not whether disappointment comes to a Christian at times. That disappointment is going to come. The question is not whether disappointment will come. The question is how are you going to deal with it? You see, it's not difficult to cultivate a Christian spirit when everything is going well in your life. But the challenge of Christianity is how do I relate when things are not going well? So let's open the Word of God this morning and look at four ways to handle disappointment. And then we'll look at two ways not to handle it. And we're going to look at the life of the Apostle Paul. You would expect me to do that. We've just come back from a trip to Greece where we followed in the footsteps of Paul. We're going to look at how Paul handled disappointment. If anybody could have been disappointed, it certainly was the Apostle Paul. And we're going to look at four principles. The first principle I call refocus. When you're facing disappointment because your expectations are not met, refocus. Ask yourself, when you're facing disappointment and your expectations have been popped like a balloon, is God up to something here that I do not yet understand? Maybe... We need to change our perspective. The Apostle Paul had certainly to change his perspective at times. Take your Bible, please, and turn to Acts, the 16th chapter. Four great principles in dealing with disappointment. And the first one is refocus. Readjust your expectations. We're coming to Acts, the 16th chapter. And we begin there with verse 6. The Apostle Paul was on fire for God. The Apostle Paul was excited about mission. And we come to Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Now when they had gone through Pergia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Paul, no doubt, was on his way to Ephesus. Ephesus was one of the largest cities in Asia Minor. It was a city that had a population of about 200,000 people. And Paul longed to evangelize that city. And the scripture says, now when they had gone through Pergia, in the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Paul's dreams were dashed. His hopes were crushed. Paul began to think, God, Ephesus needs the gospel. God, Ephesus needs the word. But God, you have forbidden me to do that. What's going on here? Then Paul turned north. He said, Northern Asia needs the word. Verse 7. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia. Where is that? It's northern Turkey and beyond. But the Spirit did not permit them. Now here, Paul strikes out twice. First, he wants to go to Ephesus, can't go. Second, he wants to go to Bithynia, can't go. Have you ever had a dream in your life you saw it crushed? Some area of service for God you wanted to participate in, but yet the door was slammed right in your face? Now, I suppose that Paul was not only disappointed, but I suppose he was quite confused. He comes to Troas and he's perplexed. What does he do next? Doors that he thought were being opened for him were being shut. Now, it was in Troas that, according to verse 9, Acts, the 16th chapter, verse 9, God was up to something with Paul. Paul didn't know what it was, but God was up to something. If doors have been shut in any area of your life recently, God is up to something for you. Look, Acts 16, verse 9, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night a man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him saying, where's Macedonia, everybody? Northern Greece. Where was Paul? In Asia, Turkey, across the continent. But the man from Macedonia says, a vision appears to Paul in the night. man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding, that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them also. When God shuts a door in your life, he is going to open a greater door. God is not the God of shut doors. He's the God of open doors. If you've been praying for a job and God shuts that job opportunity, get ready. God's going to open something else for you. If you've been praying for a house and You're looking for your ideal home, and it shuts on you. Get ready. God's going to work and open up something for you. God is greater than the difficulties. If you've been looking for an office in the church and it didn't come, the committee report was read, and your name was not there, get ready. God is going to do something for you. He's going to open a door that you cannot imagine. Notice what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 The Apostle Paul, describing to the Corinthian church what happened when the door was shut in Asia, describes it this way, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul writes to the church at Corinth, describing what happened at Troas. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, you're looking there at verse 12. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel... A door was opened to me by the Lord. God opens unexpected doors. Was Paul expecting to leave Asia and go to Europe? Was he expecting that? Not at all. Paul was expecting to go to a city, and God opened up for him a continent. Paul was expecting to go to Ephesus, and God opened for him the entire continent of Europe, And Paul lit gospel fires in Philippi, in Thessalonica, in Athens, in Corinth, in all of Europe was ablaze with the gospel. Suppose Paul would have sat down after he was refused by the Spirit to go to Ephesus or to go to Bithynia. And what if Paul began to say, God, what are you doing? God, you've forsaken me. God, where are you in all this? What if Paul began to blame God? He would have missed the open door of opportunity. Here's the point. When God closes a door in your life, he's going to open a larger door that you cannot imagine the opportunity God's going to open for you. Think about Daniel. He was a captive teenager in Babylon, but he influenced the nation and led Nebuchadnezzar to conversion. The door was shut for Daniel in Jerusalem to have fellowship with his friends and family. God brought him to Babylon, but God opened a great door in Babylon. Think of Joseph. He was betrayed by his brothers. Now, what if Joseph, when he was in the pit, betrayed by his brothers who were selfish and conniving? What if all he did in that pit was saying, my brothers are selfish, my brothers are conniving? What if the focus of Joseph's attention was what his brothers did not do, rather than on what God did do. Anytime your focus is on what others did not do, rather than on what God is doing, you miss the opportunity for the open door. Joseph is in some pit, but he's going to go from the pit to the prison, to the palace. And he's going to stand before Pharaoh and witness to the entire empire. God was bigger than the conniving of his brothers.
0: Pastor Mark Finley will continue with more in just a moment. Stay tuned. Hope Lives 365 is a donor supported ministry. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over. Biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. If you have been blessed by our ministry, go to our website, hopelives365.com or call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888 244 that's 888-244-4673. Here now, once again, Pastor Mark Finley.
1: Think about Martin Luther. He's unjustly tried at Warrens. And as he's unjustly tried there, it appears that he's going to face death. His friends whisk him away and take him to a secret castle, the Wartburg Castle. Now, what is this mighty preacher going to do in the Wartburg Castle? He could have sat there thinking about his unjust trial. He could have sat there thinking about how wrong it was that he was put through all that. But what happened? The Spirit of God touches Martin Luther, and he translates the New Testament into German, and he does more in the year that he's in the Wartburg Castle than he does preaching. Think about the Apostle Paul. He's in prison for his faith in Rome. But he refocuses the lens of his life to witness to Caesar's household. It's really amazing. Paul goes to Philippi. He leaves Philippi, preaches in Thessalonica, in Athens, in Corinth, does his missionary journeys, comes back to Jerusalem. Finally, and we'll talk about this a little later, he's unjustly tried. He ends up in prison in Rome. What does Paul do? When he's in prison in Rome and the door is shut for him. Paul says, what's God doing here? He's up to something special. You see, when you feel disappointed, look for the open door. When you feel discouraged, look for the open door. When you feel hemmed in, blocked on every side, look for the open door. When your dreams are dashed and your plans fail, look for the open door. When hope fades and the future looks dark, look for the open door. Paul faced disappointment with the ability to refocus his perspective. Now, here is the second great principle, and then we're going to come to Paul in prison. The first is refocus. Refocus away from what is the doors that are shut and refocus on the doors that are open. Second principle in facing disappointment is this. It's the ability to adjust your expectations and realign your priorities. Very often, when God opens a door, it doesn't mean that all our problems are solved. It does mean that the Holy Spirit's giving us an unusual opportunity. So Paul, 10 years after he preaches in Philippi, ends up in prison. And he's in prison in Rome, and he writes back to the church at Philippi. You talk about somebody that was able to readjust their expectations. You talk about somebody that could realign their priorities. So Paul writes from prison in Rome, 10 years from the time he was in Philippi, about his imprisonment in Rome. You talk about optimism. You talk about positiveness. Some people have talked about the letter to the Philippians as the epistle of joy, Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Now, Paul's in prison in Rome. He has been unjustly tried. His character has been assassinated. And here he's in prison in Rome. What does he write? In the book of Philippians, Paul talks about joy, rejoicing, and gladness 20 times. He says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, Again, I say rejoice. But Paul, wait a minute. Your evangelistic opportunities, they're limited. Paul, wait a minute. The door has been shut. You're now in prison in Rome. What does Paul say? Rejoice in the Lord always. He says readjust your priorities. Look at what Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 to 14. He's writing to the church at Philippi. And he writes this amazing passage. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 to 14, Paul says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things that happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Paul, wait a minute. You're unjustly tried. Paul, wait a minute. They assassinated your character. Paul says, Everything that happened to me. Because when you're in the hand of Christ, nobody can take you out of the hand of Christ. You see. People can assassinate your reputation, but they cannot impact your character. Your reputation is what people think you are. Your character is what God knows you are. See, in here in Philippians chapter 1, Paul says, I want you to know, brethren. In other words, Paul is writing. In modern English, he's saying to the church at Philippi, don't have a pity party for me. Don't be weeping over me. I'm in prison, sure, Paul says, but I want you to know that the things that happened to me have turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident by my chains. They are more bold to speak the word. Now, do you see where that says, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard? The Greek word for palace guard there is praetorium. And the praetorium were 3,000 elite Roman soldiers. And these Roman soldiers guarded the emperor. So they were guarding the emperor and they were part of the palace guard. And Paul says, how else could God have reached the palace guard if I was not in prison witnessing to those guards? Praise God for the guards that guided Paul. My wife and I were just in Tanzania. And when we got there, the Tanzanian government assigned us a contingent of six soldiers. These soldiers were in the back of a flatbed truck, and they did have AK-47s with them. Now, don't worry, we were guarded by the angels, but it's nice to have some visible angels at times. And so they have their AK-47s in the truck. But in addition to that, The government assigned us two bodyguards, one for my wife, one for me. They were by our sides at all times. When Pastor Mark preached, they were there, off to the side. When my wife gave her health talk and she walked to sit down, her bodyguard accompanied her. They would not leave us out of their sight. The most joyous thing that happened in Tanzania at the end of the meetings... The bodyguards said, it was the last meeting, the government bodyguards carry their weapons, you know, they came up to us and said, can we talk to you, pastor? Sure. Gathered in a little room with our pastors and they said, we have something to tell you. What is it? Both of us have made a decision for Christ. We've made a decision for the Bible message of the Seventh-day Adventist and we want to be baptized very, very soon. I thank God for all the governments that assigned me bodyguards the Apostle Paul was in prison. And what does he say? He says, look, do you think Paul was in prison there complaining that he was in prison? He was in prison. He readjusted his priorities, and he said, I can witness for God just where I am. And so he looked for that opportunity. Now it gets better than that. Take your Bible and turn to Philippians chapter 4, verse 22. First, Paul says in chapter 1 of Philippians... That as the result of this unexpected imprisonment, some of the royal guards in Rome were baptized. They came to Christ. Paul realigned his priorities. He states, look, because of my imprisonment, I had opportunity to preach the gospel at the center of civilization. But look at Philippians chapter 4. Look there at verse 22. He's talking about Greetings, And he comes to the end. You look at verse 21, 22, 23. Comes to the end of the book of Philippians. And he says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. Verse 22. All the saints. Now, saints are believers greet you. But especially those who are of Caesar's household. Wow. He's in prison. He witnesses to the soldiers in prison. They accept Christ. He witnesses to Caesar's household and some in Caesar's very household. I wonder if it was Caesar's daughter. I wonder if it was Caesar's son. I wonder if it was some of the servants of Caesar. I wonder if it was Caesar's aunt or uncle or relatives. I wonder if after they were converted and came to Christ, they came to Caesar and they said, Caesar, Caesar, we've accepted Jesus Christ and the whole empire is impacted. Why? Why? Because Paul had the ability to do two things. One, when a door was shut, to refocus on the door that was open. Two, he had the ability, rather than wallow in disappointment, to readjust his priorities and look for witness around him. God often does amazing things for those who sense the spirits moving in their life. If you're disappointed, look for the open door. If you're disappointed, ask yourself this question. Does God have different priorities for my life than I have? You've wanted to buy that house, and you've driven by it six times, and you've gotten out of the car, and you've walked around on the side and in the back, and you've looked at it, and you began to pray. God, I'm claiming that house. God, I know that's the house for me. God, that's exactly where you want me to be. And then the next time you drive by, it says sold, (laughs) sold. And you go home and you say, God, I thought that was the one I was claiming that by faith. Ask yourself the question, God, do you have another priority? You wanted that job so badly. You wanted that job. They were offering you pay commensurate with your talents. But the whole thing fell through. You wanted that position in the church. And you knew you were qualified. You just knew it. Whatever the disappointment is in your life, the more you focus on that disappointment, the less God can use you. But the more you are able to say, all right, Jesus, for every door that is shut, you're going to open some other door. All right, Jesus, for every door that is shut help me readjust my priorities refocus readjust now there's a third principle in dealing with disappointment and it's this redirect your energies don't just sit there do something don't wallow in the mud of self-pity don't begin focusing on what happened to you and raising doubts about why god let it happen I love this statement, Ministry of Healing, page 474. If you're taking notes, you want this one. This is a gem. You don't want to miss this. In the future life, in what life, everybody? The future life, the mysteries that have annoyed and disappointed us will be made plain. In the future life, the mysteries that have annoyed and disappointed us will be made plain. Was there ever something that annoyed you? Ever something that disappointed you? What's going to happen in the future life? It's going to be made what? Plain, next sentence. We shall see that our seemingly unanswered prayers and our disappointed hopes have become our greatest blessings. Wow. We shall see in the future life that the unanswered prayers and the disappointed hopes have been among our greatest blessings. You know what? Sometimes good people make mistakes.
0: Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just the book you need. Mark Finley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Thanks for listening today to Hope Lives 365.